0: causation imaginable. I say that it is. I firmly believe that imagination creates reality. And it is my hope that before these times on the 26th of May that everyone here will be able to share with me some perfectly wonderful case history that all can testify to the greatest power of imagining that all will be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I know it can be done. The Renaissance and I lay the foundation for our slaves? The planes are extravagant, but I assure you they are true. The more original was the speaker. They were all disturbed. So. I found them in the greatest of of the world in the Bible. That the ultimate source of phenomena of all thoughts is one with the message that is active in you and me. That imagination that is is, and always ability the primary source of everything that comes into our life. There aren't two sources, there aren't two causes, there aren't two dark. But so when you speak of the Lord in the scripture, the other person thinks in turn some external being can't quite visualize it, but something external to himself. So let us turn now to the first. Say, he says, He himself in the beginning. With God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Here the Evangelist John declares that all things without exception were made by him. who from all eternity, was with God. Well, who is God then? Because God is the third. and we speak now of a person in the third person by Him. What is this presence? Who is it? If I tell you that God is your own wonderful human imagination, and God in action is simply imagining. In the Scripture, it is called Christ. If you study it carefully, Christ is defined us in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, as the power and the system of God. So God in action is called Christ. Imagination in action is imagining. That is Christ, if you want to use the word. But now we can go back to the great book of Isaiah. It is said in the fifty chapter, which is called by all scholars, the great messianic chapter, where so man suffers forever. others. And we are told that the Lord placed upon him the iniquities of a all The Lord placed upon him what it seems to be another. All iniquities If you stop there, you think in terms of what the church tells you that some being 2,000 years ago justified himself of our sins, our iniquities, our mischief, our wickedness, and all he expiates them in his body. But now you mustn't stop there. Let us read the book carefully. We are told that he has no form that we should look upon him. No form. That we should look upon him, and no beauty that we should desire him. And let us turn over from the 53rd chapter to the 64th chapter. And you listen to him carefully. There is none, there is no one that calls upon thy name and bestows himself to take hold of of thee. Thou hidest thy face from us and deliver us into the hand of our iniquity. and the iniquities were placed upon him. Now we tell in the same book. Thou deliver us into thy hand. All iniquities delivered upon us. Now, listen to this carefully. Yes, O Lord, Thou art our Father. We are the clay. And Thou art our Potter. We are all the work of Thy hand. Now, the word translated, Lord, is I am. Yes, Lord, thou art our father. The word is I am. Father is my source, my beginner, my creator. The word translated father, thou art our potter. The word translated potter means imagination. So I am as your form, refers to assume that it is man to have form. Thou humblest thyself, thou humblest me, thou too dwellest in eternity, thou art a man, God is noble, thy own humanity, long to adore, is more. you are a man, God is noble, God is man. So the man is our end, but he becomes personified, and the person of the of I am a rich man, if I say I am rich, I am poor, I mean I am a rich man, or I am a poor man. I don't mean a rich woman or a poor woman, I mean I am a rich man, or I am a poor man. Let me now leave up for one moment, imagining myself to be poor. And where do you suppose that I, the poor man, would be? Do you suppose I would be a poor man if I left off for one moment, imagining that I am poor? It would vanish and leave no trace behind it. If I dared to leave off, imagining that I am limited. Then the being that is assuming, by imagining, by dreaming itself limited, it would simply cease to be. I am can't cease to be, and I am man can't cease to be, but every claim that I make for myself as man. of the world when he hides his face from man is because man turns to other gods if man did not turn to another god I am trust only the one god which is I am there is nothing impossible to him but nothing the moment he turns to another god and rationalizes anything but then he turns on the only god and he brings upon himself strange things and all the wickedness of the world If I dare to assume that this building is mine, it's now found by the club. The club has hundreds and hundreds of members, and so it belongs to the members, it's the club. But without consulting the members, if I would not rationalize it, try to scheme to get it, if I so desired this building, and I dare to assume that it is mine, Just as though I would say the tie is mine. I'm not willing to finger to make it so, or to rationalize it, or to in any way influence anyone in the club to become a spokesman for me, just it is mine. I'm sleep in the assumption that it is so. In a way I do not know. Without hurt to anyone, they would all want to get rid of the club and buy some other place. And it will not be a hurt to any member. No one will be hurt, and all will be mutually benefited, and I will get the class. If I so violent. God forbid. But nevertheless, that's how the law works. Now let me tell you the story. I want you all to really take it seriously, and let me a story you can write them this week, if you really will apply it. You first must accept the fact there is only one God, and that one God is not outside. He is your own wonderful human imagination. So when you say I have no form. But an iron man, he has a form. That God. There are a man, God is no more. I am. That God. You start right there. Now, the gentleman wrote me a letter which I received last Thursday night. He is here tonight. He and his wife and a friend. He did not tell me I could tell him the platform, but I'm going to tell it. It's a very lovely thing. No one but the gentleman, his wife and his friends, know who they are. But it's a wonderful story, and you should hear it. So I live in the hills, above Sunset Strip. Two feet behind my place, my property, it's cleared. and green. A straight cliff of thirty feet of decomposed granite. It was cut when my home was built, and behind that, rising say two hundred feet, is a sheer cliff covered in brush. For above my home stands behind and above another home. That home was built afterwards. Two years ago. My builder that handled my insurances, my fire insurances, oh. notified me that because of a disastrous fire in the area, no company would cover my property. And so, those who held it would not renew it. One common chat says, if you were clear 75 feet beyond your property, a rush brush and then plant, ice more, then we might consider it. Well, first of all, the 75 feet beyond my property was not my property, so I couldn't clear it. And certainly, I'm so sure the owner would not allow it to be cleared, for so the first rain, the whole thing would come tumbling down. And certainly, he would not allow it to be planted, and I wouldn't allow it, in Iceland. So, my, my policy lab, it was then that I came across your book, The Law and the Promise, I did not know then that you lived in the city and that you gave lectures. But I imagine that it would be like if I heard you lecture. And crazy enough, I saw this place here just as it is today, with this exception. There was no stage, and the chairs were more comfortable. And that's something I can do nothing about. But the chairs were more comfortable. Then he said, I saw you enter stage right. Decomposed granite would come down, which I knew when this man built his home 200 feet behind and above me. For the first rain, my yard was filled with this decomposed granite, and it took the man himself over a week to carve away. So I knew the brush was essential. But then again, I said, I am not doing the right thing here I am talking with these people mentally then well, I must go back to the policy so he went back to the policy in his hand why do you these by at all let them come and see the property Why, I will simply go to the end and hold the policy in my hand which he did the woman called him back the next day and said that the new broker had found another insurance company that was willing to take the other half of the policy without investigation without any clearing of Bush. But there would be a $300 surcharge an increase in the taxes. But the man who arranged the whole thing said that he could juggle the policy and then take it off at some other place in the policy. Therefore, really, in the end, he would not be paying any more. The $300 would be taken from elsewhere in the policy by a certain juggling of, I don't know what it is, but each other the policy. So we did only pay the same amount of money that they intended to pay. Then he said, we had an enormous rain a month later. I have my policy completely covered now. I know it was a huge rain. And brush or no brush came an enormous amount of bad hill right down into my yard. I looked at him and I said, at least two full truckloads. Too much for a big trucking company and not enough. I mean, too much for a little trucking company and nothing else for a big trucking company. So I looked at it, see would I turn? To whom would I go? And so I looked at the whole thing and I thought, to hell with it. I will then see nothing but green now. Just as I did before, I will see green. I will even see this decomposed stuff in my yard. So, it's my custom that I go for two or three-mile work every morning. I take my car down to the foot of the hill and walk on flattered run, which is such, such trip. And so I take my walk in front As I came back and got into my car, there was a man standing his way asking for a ride up the hill. So, I gave him a lift. And he told me that he was his cars for a living. But the rain had washed all the cars and he'd have no job today. So when I explained to him my difficulty with all this in my yard. And he asked me if I would allow him to carve it away for me. But he charged a dollar and a quarter an hour. I told him that wasn't enough. He said, That's my price, I don't want to disturb it. A dollar and a quarter an hour. So that day he carted the entire amount onto the adjoining vacant nut and covered up all the dry brush and therefore was done, the hazard. For all this was very, very dry and brittle, and by covering the entire area, with this enormous amount in his yard, is simply lessened the fire hazard. The next day, he called again, and he says, the clouds are still clean. I wondered if you could give me a job today. Well, he said, I have wanted for the longest while to plant some roses. Near a certain face of mine. But there was a haze there. And so I said to him, you could move the hedge up against the hill or run in good, for well, that's exactly what I've seen, green all over the place. So I went out and got to the job, and I came back. The whole place was green as I had in my imagination had seen it. Now, he I must tell you something about this man. His name is Eddie. That's all I call him. He introduced himself as Eddie. He said, I think he's my bad dream, because I can't seem to do anything to Eddie. I can't now even bring him into my mind. I tried to see no a different state, and I failed. I can't even bring him into my mind now. But this is Eddie. He is 54 years old, and in the thirties his mother died, and he tried to commit suicide. But well, he failed, and he was put into an asylum further, mildly insane. He felt himself an outcast, a social outcast, and unwanted. And so the stranger who wrote the letter said, of course I can see that this gentleman, he goes to a bathtub, and so he has a fault there if he's unwanted. But nevertheless, he feels unwanted and so he ran away from this asylum. The police got him and brought him back. The asylum didn't want him, neither did the police want him. So he was set free. And he leaves on $100 a month from a $20,000 cross fund a what he can make for washing cars an odd job. But maybe when he saves a few dollars, he goes to the desert to hunt for gold, or he goes to the mountain. He calls it My Perspective Act. Well, this day a few months ago, he went off on his great act. And as he was approaching a hill in the distance, he heard a voice say, I am. He was startled. He looked around not a soul in sight for miles around the voice repeated itself this time louder I am this time he thought it must be coming from some helicopter maybe some person with a peer system It's simply speaking from above so he looked up not a thing in the sky and so the third time the voice came back do not come up here I am but he was curious, so he started towards the top of the hill where he thought this time it came from the hill. When he got from the hill, there he came across a four-foot rattle. It wasn't called, just touched out, staring at him. But he said it didn't have a human face, and he didn't think it had to put him in his purse, as the lady did. He simply ran. Now that is any story, he said. Just as it happened, and so I will share with you and tell you, as it was told to me. Now, maybe I shouldn't work my imagination any more to Eddie. Maybe Eddie is on a higher level of consciousness than I am. Eddie heard, as every won one day here, as coming from without, what actually is whispered from within. When you read it in the third chapter of Exodus, and the Lord God said unto Moses, Go say, I am that I am. And when they ask you, who sent you, just say, I am. I sent you. It's written so that when you read it, you will think a man heard a voice actually coming from out from some bush. And under that bush, a voice is speaking to a man. No. He heard as coming from out what really was whispered from the depth of his soul I am and you tell me that the burning bush if you have never witnessed it I can tell you your whole being becomes a flame and you see it I have seen it in subways. I have seen it on the stage I have seen it no matter where I am suddenly the whole being is though you are a fire and you wonder why you are burning so the tell me this bush it burned and yet it did not consume it burned, and the tree was not consumed. I have been in the subway, the oncoming sub, and the whole area is Australia, It's burning. But the burning is something like spirit burning. If I took alcohol and burned it, and the whole thing is alive, it's not like a gas jet. Flame is constant. It's not that kind of a flame. It is a moving plane like spirit. If I fall blandy over a pudding and did it, and the whole thing becomes alive, but it moves all over, it burns just like that. And you are the centre of the entire burning. It's from the depths of your own soul that you hear it. It feels you hear it, and you think it's coming from the mouth. It's not coming from the mouth. It's coming from the, coming from the very depths of your soul. I oh, am. Yeah. So Aries, living in a tent up in the hill, that's his home, a tent. With a trust fund of twenty thousand paying him a hundred dollars a month, and what he can take out washing cars and doing odd jobs like cleaning up the yard of this gentleman and things of that sort. But he wants not a thing beyond that. He doesn't want to disturb even his dollar twenty-five or The gentleman is quite willing and quite sure to give him two to clear the whole thing an hour. no he didn't want that he wanted a dollar and a quarter an hour I'm sorry the say to him he's in the audience just let Eddie go the voice is calling out and to Eddie it seems to come from the real out in space even so far up in the sky he thinks some helicopter is passing by with a peer system it must be from there because it seems so much on the outside of any. It is on the outside, but that voice calls and calls and calls. So when we hear these words, there is no one that calls upon thy name. No one disturbs himself to take hold of thy name. They are all turning on the outside. And we are told the one grand scene that calls in the highest place that they have turned to other gods. Today, not only one billion Christians, but maybe six hundred million Mohammedans, they turn to Mecca several times in the course of the day, placing themselves on the sun, wherever they are, and point towards Mecca, some external god. And you go to the synagogue, and they have a holy book and they cover As they start reading the grand word, God Heh Ba'peh, if you've ever gone to Shul gone to the synagogues, the minute they come upon the word Yad Heh way, whoever is a leader covers it with glory that he may not look upon the holy name. if Everything is on the outside. And so, this indictment, there is not one, well, that seems tremendous, bold accusation, not one who calls upon thy name. Not one disturbs himself to take hold of thy name, and because of this you turned your face on us. Your face from us. And what have you done now? Not only have you turned your face from us, but you now deliver us into the hand of our own iniquities, and we are lost in our own creations, and we don't realize it. We don't realize what we are doing. So all the wickedness that surrounds us is self begotten. There is only God. My father, as you are told, the Lord, which is I am, is my father, and my father is my own imagination. So I am self-begotten. So I make the statement that you come out, and you alone come out. It can be. It must be some other thing. no, it isn't. You yourself come out of your own self-imposed brain. God comes out. This is the world. There's nothing but God. And God is your own wonderful human imagination. If you will take what this gentleman did, he read it on the book, The Law and the promise, and he held on to feeling. He took the end, the only is we start from. In my end is my beginning. So I go to the end. What was the end of this case? If he had the policy, and the policy was in his hand, signed by both parties. There's a contract. Must he now argue with those who come to investigate? That's behind him. The policy can't be signed. and in my hand. When they're still examining my property and bringing in those verdict for the ones who sent them, that must be behind me if I hold the policy. So every time he, through reason, through habit, will turn to analyze the picture and try to persuade them, that this thing must be full of brush or else the first rain, is going to bring every the whole hill down. And as he began to analyze it and to rationalize it, he remembered that's not what he teaches. He teaches that you go to the end. So he took the thing once more in his hand and he held it. And so the policy, well, the policy could not be in his hand signed by both parties, until so something to be done about it is the contract. So the whole thing is done. If you know exactly what you hold in your hand after the event, hold it in your hand. Then let some woman call you, in his case, the woman called on a different matter. And at that very moment, he thought, the Lord tells her my difficulty. Then she knew someone whose tax return her office took care of. And she would see him that day and call back. The man, without seeing it, he took it, sent the people over, yes. And the second party, the next day, They didn't even come to see the property. They made no request to remove the brush and took the other half of the policy. And a $300 surcharge was adjusted so that it wasn't really $300 more anyway. So I say to you, believe me, not a thing comes into your world that you did not draw by some imaginable act. Not a thing happens to man, no matter how wicked it is, that he himself does not bring it into the world by his own imaginal act. Imagining creates reality. Believe it. Because imagining is God in action. Imagination is God. Imagining is God in action. If you prefer the words God and Christ, well then God is your imagining, your imagination, and Christ is your imagining. That is the activity of imagination. Why so say man's imagination is manifested in the imaginations of men Like the one who took the other half without even investigating he had to for so the policy was in the man's hands and so there was a mutual benefit to the entire picture so I know from the big fire we saw here one night my dentist he was like in the midst of all the flames, and the all falling all around I went through this door here into my little room at the back, and saw these things filled up in flames, one after the other. Jim's house didn't have one, one shingle. And I can see the tree now, Eucalyptus tree, that was completely fair on one side, outside of his property, and yet not on the inside. Of all trees, Eucalyptus, full of oil, that all grew up, filled on one side, and not the other side. And the only thing that he could have lost, and some flame, not thinking of Jim, was in the city. But he and Sarge might have been away. I know the whole holding was the flame, a thing, went up the hills in spite of all the fire department. went into the home, and he heard a door slam. And then he slowly heard footsteps. And when he rushed into the dining room, someone, like so many people, were like rules. They leave on the hurts together They think that way. And someone, seeing this enormous flame, knowing that no one would be in the house, rushes in, takes Jim's lovely rug, one of his piano rugs, Oriental, and all of Jim's silver, and put it into the rug. He was just about to tire, to escape, it, saying the footsteps he heard. A strange of Jim's came, uninvited, and saved all the silver. So Jim did not lose one shingle, not a spoon, he lost nothing. And that Jim lives this way. He isn't here tonight. But when I went to see the home, and that brush all over the place burned, that was the night that Aldous Huxley's house went right down to the very ground. And Aldous himself, in one of his books, he said that he had motives no for not wanting the world to have meaning. Because it would be assumed that it had none. And without any difficulty, found all the reasons in the world to support his assumption. So, he wrote it in a book that the world had no meaning, he didn't want it to have meaning. So he had a fabulous library. First editions, not only his own first editions, but the influence gave him first editions of his own lovely works. All kinds of lovely things and art objects, which he intended someday to give to maybe UC or some other great college. And not one thing we'll say, the suit on his back and the last magistrate. Because all of really believed, seeing the whole confused world, it had no meaning. He could not believe in a God, not really as we believe in God. He couldn't believe in his own I am this. He believed in only that which science could in some way bring up. And his own grand ancestor, Thomas Huxley, and Thomas Huxley one day was asked, in the presence of another scientist, if you saw a great big object rise from here and float through space unsupported by any known power of the man, what would you say, did you just see? And the other scientist answered first. And he said, well, I would say I've just witnessed the suspension of the laws of gravity. Was Thomas Huxley being there. I would say profound in his thinking than the other side he said I wouldn't say that I would say I have just witnessed the operation of a law of which I am totally ignorant if gravity is absolute it can't be suspended so if I saw what you just described I would say I have just witnessed the operation of a law of which I am totally ignorant there may be a law that where it is operated gravity as we understand it doesn't function. While the other one couldn't conceive of any law coming into being that could put at naught what he considered gravity to be. Yet he didn't take that page from his ancestors' book, because he really believed it had no meaning, none whatsoever. And so live life fully, have all the excitement that you could, if the body and time allowed it. But outside of that, he couldn't quite see the meaning behind it all to do this meaning for every little thing that happens in this world. Another thing could happen, but nothing could happen unless it was supported by an imaginal act. Now, the imaginal act may be delayed in coming. As far as your vision goes, it's not delayed in its own motion. But you will be anxious and you may think it's delayed. It's taking too long. It isn't taking too long for itself. Every vision has its own appointed hour. It rises and it will flower. If it belong to the individual, then wait. For it is sure and it will not be late. Just wait. You plant the imaginary right now and don't waver. As you find yourself moving into some other level, come back to the end. For you always plant the end. He saw the dream. And a total stranger is coming his way up the hill. And he is the one To make it green, he moves this whole bit away and puts it on dry brush. And then he brings back this revelation to my friend, where a simple person living in a tent, unkempt, with little to the poverty of this world, and yet in the stillness of the desert, he could hear, I am. Don't come up here, I am. Didn't say, I am this, I am that, I am the other. Simply, I am. From the depths of his soul, it is stirring. Who's stirring? He is stirring, trying to come to the surface. And he thinks it's on the outside. It sounds so loud when you hear it. If anyone stood in his presence, do you know no one else would have heard it? If he had a thousand people around him, he and he alone would have heard it. That's scripture. Only the one who has the experience hears it, read it carefully. And when the God descended, only he and whom he defended, if you read it in the first chapter of the Book of Mark, it is recorded by the evangelist. as so not that he witnessed it, that he has been told by the one who experienced it. But no one but the one who experiences these things really heard it or sees it. So Eddie could be in the presence of a thousand people. And Eddie and Eddie no would have heard the voice he heard three times. And three times is trying to bring him into himself, but to him it seemed so loud. it was coming from without, but just like a Moses. Eddie heard just what Moses heard. And that which seemed to have come from without was really stunning from the depths of his soul. So to everyone here, when you read your Bible and you come across the Lord, I am the Lord, thy God, and besides me, there is no God. I am thy Savior, and there is no other Savior. You read that in the 43rd chapter of Isaiah. Now listen to these words. These are supposed to be the greatest of all the commandments. So when he was asked what's the greatest commandment this is what he answered hear O Israel the Lord our God is one Lord and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might now listen to the words hear Israel the Lord that's I am Our God all I am is one I Am. unity. Only one God. But don't be concerned about his little I Am, or that little I Am, there's only one I Am, it's all in you. Individually. And thou shall love the Lord, that is, the I Am. Which I Am? Your I Am. With all your might, with all your heart, with all your soul. How could I love my own I Am? That's what I'm accused of not doing. I think I love God and bend my knee before some living object on the wall or some cloud thing out of marble or maybe some precious little diamond where I and the off image of a man and it along my neck. And these other little things I put the value upon the stone or maybe the artist who did the carving and I completely turn to other gods. And that's when God, the real God, hides his face. If I return to the only God, and the only God is your own wonderful I am, has no form when you say I am, but neither will have when you say I am. It takes on form, and when you see it, it's just like you. That's why I tell you, over and over, when you see him, whenever you see him, you're going to see yourself, only lifted up to the eighth degree of beauty, and dignity, and majesty, and a strength of character in your face that you wouldn't really would ever attain. But it's just like this. So anyone should ever come and look, there is life. or look, here it is. Don't believe them. Why? Because the Lord does not yet appear what we shall be. We know when he appears, we shall be like and so one day you're going to see him, just as okay. you read in that book of The late Called You. And you read in my little book The Search, where so the same experience only mine preceded his by many years. His happened in 1944, and mine happened in 1934. But here you come upon a meditative being, and you the closer. And you discover you're looking at yourself. And he said when he saw this wonderful being himself, only raised to the eighth degree of beauty, his primal birth, its wearing, in profound elevation, and he knew that the way it well. he, the one looking at it, would no longer be. Because there can't be two of you, you are he. So when he awoke, this vanishes because you are he, that's just your own being. That never ceases to be. So you cannot die for the simple reason you are all imagination. Man is all imagination and God is man. And exists in us and we in him. The eternal body of man is the imagination and that is God himself. So really carefully, the Lord shall ask our Father we are the play. There are our partner. We're all the work of thy hand. Everything is happening to me, the work of thy hand, and it's not thy meaning a second person, but I am it means my imagination. The Lord is my own wonderful human imagination. Yeah. If I don't believe it I'm turn to another God and hides his face from me. For he is not he is the one to whom I will turn. He is only with me of my own wonderful human imagination. I must trust him increasingly more than anyone trusts the so-called outside God because that outside God is a false God. We declare the only reason he hides his face is because they turn to other gods. In that 31st chapter, the 18th verse of Deuteronomy, there's no other reason or in turning and hiding his face, he hides it because as of the many wickednesses of man and because man has turned to another God. Any time you turn to another God, you hide yourself, hide his face. But tonight you try. I'm going to do the thing, or do for me what that gentleman did. That came unsolicited. I'm going to solicit your letter your case sisters. Why may we from this platform read them and talk about them to encourage everyone who comes here to believe in the only God, the God that cannot die, the God of the living, that you may know you cannot die. You cannot even pass away. This is a being that is awakening in the depths of your soul. And if only your agency is God all is not God. But because of this wonderful experience, and there is no limit to his expansion. you have expanded all the more. There's only a limit to contraction. Only a limit to opacity. But no limit to expansion and to translucency. So after the experience here, when you wake within you, all the more translucent. All the more expansive. So now we go into the silence. An angel's silence takes something. If you can find something to hold in your hand, a contract, a sum of money, an agreement, I don't care what it is, but something which implies the end has been realized. Don't argue about it, go to the end. I'm just, if you are realizing the end, I'm feeling the end, Then all the means necessary to fulfill that end will fall into place. And you don't have to devise any means. And let us go. Are there any questions, please? Why did the boy say, Don't come up here? My dear, I couldn't tell you what that meant. But anything else to me, just the I am. But his curiosity was alive, and he went up there. The symbolism is perfect. He saw the symbol of God in action, which is a servant. The servant was not called to strike, therefore, was not dangerous. But he, in his frightening moment, ran. Which I dare say, everyone would have done. But he ran from the uncalled not a snake. But a snake, a serpent is always the symbol of Christ, and Christ is only the personification of God's activity. It is the power and the wisdom of God. And so he saw symbolise this power, which if he only knows is the activity of his own I am. And he doesn't know that yet. But luckily for us, he could tell it to a man who serve him on these two days. And therefore he took him into his confidence and told him. Maybe he would never tell it to anyone else. But he's taken this man into his confidence who has employed him, and he feels that he can trust him. And so he, in turn, trusted us with a perfectly marvelous revelation. For all he heard is the veritable, not one person in sight, not for miles around. And it came so loudly, he looked up to the skies thinking that an airplane, the helicopter, must be passing over with a PS system. That was his reasoning mind, because what came to him came through, well, the conceptual mind, and therefore modified itself. But nevertheless, he did climb, even that is symbolical, he climbed a hill to see the symbol. So the whole thing was symbolical, really. Everything has meaning in this world, but I could not tell you the exact and precise meaning of don't come up here. In fact, it's a challenge, which is a very good challenge because every time man is told not to do something, he does it. And so it could be taken in that fight. Every commandment is written because there's nothing to be stated, thou shalt not. I will offer you any sum of money in this world, any sum, I told you, I'll give it to you, providing you do not think of a monkey. Try not to think of a monkey, or you'll never get the sum of money. The more you try not to think of God, the more fly, you have nothing but monkeys in the world. Because you see the guy as against what you must not do, so thou shalt not. And if you know the story of the scripture, you've every commandment. He broke the Sabbath day and so he simply turned against the Sabbath God. And so the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The woman taken in the adultery, the Lord said, turn to death. He forgave her. His parents, honor your parents, honor your father and mother. He said, who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Those who do the will of him sent me. So he denied earthly parents. No, those details do I confess. I am about my father's sister, and I'm a father of the other. His only. For I am a father one city. But so he denied those details. And so every commandment he wrote, because they are written negatively, thou shalt not. But in a general amount, the whole thing is positively done. Everything is on the positive side. Nothing is stated negatively. Yes, ma'am. All those people, bring it down into I am, because it is the dress of thou art. O Lord, I'm addressing you now, am I not? O Lord, thou art our Father. Is that not the better person? Now take the word Lord and analyze it. I'm addressing, I am. I am cannot be second person. Kennedy. All word, the word verb is a translation of the Hebrew evidence God A by, which by definition means the self-existence. I am. So the words in the third chapter of Exodus, when it is stated, go and say I am has sent you. The word translated I am is God A by. The same word is translated Lord when you see Lord in the Bible, or they use the word Adonai, but mostly Yahweh, because the Hebrew did not like to take the name, I the say so he tries not to pronounce the name of Jehovah, well, we take, well we don't really object to it, so we use the word Jehovah, but the Hebrew will not, it. it's the unaudible name. Which is I am. For the average person, the average person, the whole vast world well. is unwilling to assume R-I-M. I am an entity.